Hello, friends. Today, I'm so excited to have Esther Panabaker with me, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her recent book. Do you pronounce it nothing or nothing? Well, you know what? That's very interesting because there's a dot between the no and the thing. And everybody says, is it no dot thing? And so that's how I pronounce it. And actually, I loved what you were doing with your little scripts that you've been doing the audio portion of it. And I think that's how we connected because I was so interested in how you were doing your audio. So when we do the audio, it's going to be no dot thing, because a lot of us have things in our lives that look like no's, but the dot represents the pauses or the weights, the periods in life. And um, that, and I'm telling people in the book that the periods doesn't mean that it's the end of your story. It just might be the end of that chapter. And um, yeah, yeah. To look at the pauses. And so it does have some, some meaning. And I talk about music in the middle of my book using that little dot there. Oh, this is perfect. Well, first tell us a little bit about your background and what kind of drew you to writing this book in the first place. Thanks, Ashley, so much. I, you know, I wish I could say I had like this huge background and a writing degree and, and, you know, that I always wanted to be a writer, but really how it started was when I was in high school, back in the day before cell phones were prevalent and Facebook and Instagram. I mean, can we even remember a day when we didn't have Instagram and Facebook? Um, I, I, was, I can't actually, I was, I'm old enough. I do remember. <laughs> I, I was that perfect pen pal. You might say I prided myself in how many letters I would get in the mail, how many letters I'd be writing. I had friends that I met, um, through mail and I would use those uh, mailograms to across seas, you know, to different people across the oh, ocean. Yes, I remember yeah. that. And then I would, um, you know, write people that I met at like church camp, summer camps. I would write people all over Indiana. I was from Illinois, um, Pennsylvania. I would write people from all over and find out about their part of the country and about them. I loved writing notes to people. And um, so it wasn't just the perfect pen pal, but I would also write notes to like my comrades, fellow students. Hey, just encouraging motivational little notes. I think you're the greatest you're the best, you know, you rock this. And, um, and I guess back in that day, it was like, you're a rad, you know, that was more of the lingo back <laughs> right. then. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. But, but I've always liked to write like little encouraging notes. When I went on my senior trip, I remember writing my mom a little note and then, so actually what kind of propelled me into formally writing was not my success, but my mistakes. And I heard a podcast this week about, um, from John Maxwell, he's a, he's an inspirational and motivational, um, coach. He's a life coach, but on his podcast, he was saying, you know, our successes impress people, but it's our mistakes that impact people. And so it was actually my mistake in school that propelled me into writing. It was my mistake that I cheated in grammar class. It was when oh. we were having to, yeah, we was were not having expecting to put, that. Yeah. Yeah. We we're having to put all the periods and commas and, you know, doing all the diagramming and um, doing all the punctuation. And I took a red pen and I was like marking strategically in this, this literary work, where the periods should go, where everything should go. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to put it you know, with pencil over the top of that red pen. And I was caught, I was caught. And I write about this in my book. Yeah. 
right about this in, in the red dot, I was caught. And, um, but it propelled me because my English teacher worked with me on grammar and sentence structure. And from that date forward, um, gave me the tools that I needed to be able to construct sentences and to actually communicate well through writing. And so, Ashley, you know, it was my mistake. It was my bad that was for my good. That's incredible. I think we we forget that at times. We um, do. And even like on a funny anecdote that even for me last night, I went to my first dance workout class in years or something, you know, and I was just, I'm so used to wanting to be professional. I know my stuff for music. I love foreign language. I'm very in my head, but let's face it. Physicality is not like my forte, you know, working out has never been my thing. I was just like, this is so hard. And my husband was really brilliant. He said, it's good for you to be in those hard moments because that helps you remember what your students feel like or what other people feel like when they're starting something new. And just, it kind of reminded me of that, exactly what you're talking about, that putting me back into a more vulnerable situation will help me have better empathy when my students are saying, I don't understand something. And so I thought that was a good way to look at it when I was like, I'm the worst in the class, you know? <laughs> right. So, that's a good well, reminder. New things are for always us. that new things are always challenging and they're new. And, um, so yeah, it, it was, it was that that propelled me. And I feel like, um, you know, our mistakes are, can be used as stepping stones and, mm-hmm. um, that's how we learn. And it's, it's not a bad thing, you know, it's, it's not a yeah. bad thing to always be learning and always trying to do better. So that's how I, I I was drawn to writing actually through that. That's incredible. I've never heard a story like that. That's cool. Now, how has music played kind of a part in your life or influenced your book since a lot of my listeners are um, big music fans? I love music, Ashley. And um, I guess my first introduction to music would have been probably going to a church that, you know, sang as a congregation, music was a part of the worship. And then I sang with a chorale, a small group, and actually in a trio when I was 10 for the first time for public. Um, And I I loved the harmonies and the parts. And I think back then at that age, you know, oh, how cool is this? This little girl can sing a harmony, you know, and then carry a part. And so for sure, that's hard at age 10. That's really impressive. That's how I started. And then I would sing in a lot of groups. And I talk about that um, in my book. In high school, we had a Augustana Choir, which is the the community uh, college in Illinois where I grew up. And they did the whole entire Handel's Messiah, the whole oratory. Wow, and, in high um, school. Yeah, in high school. So at 16, I Amazing. auditioned for this. And they had... the collegiate portion of the choir that would sing, you know, several songs. And then they would have the soloist that would come in. They had all the instruments. It was beautiful. The harpsichord, the violins. It was just a gorgeous, gorgeous setting. Um, And it was something that you had to, to audition to get into the portion that they had a community portion. There were about 500 voices that would okay. sing this every year and um, the town would, you know, would be tickets and they would sell the house out. Um, so it was quite a big ordeal to be accepted. And so I, I made the cut at 16 and um, I'm like, what am I doing? 
<laughs> because because you talked about being a Suzuki learner, and yes. um, I did take I did take piano as a kid, but I would come home and just play the songs and mm-hmm. listen to the teacher was play it Suzuki them. or traditional or well, it was traditional, but okay. I was more Suzuki. But it was before Suzuki was more accepted, maybe you might say okay. back in more the day, widespread. right? And so um, my mom finally said, you know, I we can't pay for you to have lessons if you're just going to play the songs by ear because I couldn't read music very well. Oh, and, interesting. And this is mm-hmm. pre-Suzuki. That is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And so it didn't have a name. I wasn't doing it the proper way. You're playing it by so, ear though, which is playing yeah, it by definitely... ear. So then I would hear songs on the radio and get on the piano and play them. And, um, mm-hmm. so anyway, how did I go from, so the musical instruments were like, beautiful to me and the fact that they could play by note and so I would sing and follow the notes you have to follow the notes you know when you're in uh, singing and handles messiah you have yes. to follow the notes <laughs> right and so I, I I knew enough to be dangerous you know when they go up and you go up and your voice and yeah. I follow the notes the pitch with my ear and so I, I I loved singing and I loved music and then I think that was my first initiation to like all the big sounds where, you know, I remember sitting there thinking, you know, 500 voices first, and then you have this full orchestra, harpsichord, you know, and, and the, the, the wood instruments and the stringed instruments, and they all played their part. It was phenomenal. And I remember thinking, I think I could even be deaf sitting in here and just feel the vibrations and be moved. You know, there is a movement, there is a movement to music. And I just remember feeling that movement, not only in my emotions, but my heart and my body. It was just such, mm-hmm. such an experience that um, and yes. it just encapsulated me from a very young age. I love that idea of yeah, feeling even that kinesthetic aspect, which I don't think as much about that, but you're right. There really is kind of that. Um, I liked the nineties movie, Mr. Hans Opus. I don't know if you ever saw yes. that one where they do play the concert for, um, his deaf son and like other, um, deaf audience members. And they try to make it so that they can feel those, feel those vibrations, which is really cool. All right. Yeah. And I remember, I don't know. I've tried to think about it knowing that this interview is coming up about, it was a story that they told and they used the different musical instruments, like the birds flying. You have this little, little piccolo and then you have like the elbow, you know, he Peter and the wolf probably maybe that's it. It was probably Peter and the wolf. Okay. Okay. I'm going to look that up, but I just in the back of my head, remember, you know, all the different sounds and the musical instruments to tell what they were. And I think music tells a story. And I was reading, Mm -hmm. um, actually watching a Ted talk. I love Ted talks. And one Mm -hmm. of the Ted talks was about, um, he said, you know, we live in a musical universe and our celestial sphere creates music. And I feel like we, we, we are living in a musical universe and our, our, whether we feel like we're musical or not, music plays such a huge part of our lives, our emotions, um, and plays a part in our feelings and in the movement. And music is a story. To me, music is a story. Mm-hmm. Oh, me too. Definitely. And yeah, I love that reference to the music of the spheres, that concept, even during the medieval times, they knew that it was, they, they called it the music of the spheres. And I think even back in like Dante, you know, when he was right. writing, I believe it was like Paradiso or something. It references yes. that. So it's been this, you know, concept around for 
hundreds or th- probably thousands of years, you know, probably yeah, King David yeah. too. So yes, I think it's, and that's a good point that it's not just for quote unquote musicians, but that everyone can experience it um, in yes. some, in some fashion. And I feel uh, like what, it shapes who we are. It yes. shapes who we are. And the story facet to it is one of the ones that has drawn me towards it. And it sounds like for you as well. Yes. Well, and it's communication. It's not just to mm-hmm. me, it's inspiration. It is narration. Right. And it's communication, a way to communicate feeling and communicate love, communicate, yes. um, you know, our desires, our hopes, our dreams. It, it's right. a way of communicating. And I, that's how it has inspired me and affected my writing. I, I totally agree. Um, sometimes I feel like it even goes beyond the words. I know mean, we're both writers, but sometimes even when you can't come up with the right word, but the right sound can create that emotion in a certain sense that you're reaching for. And then if I'm trying to write about that emotion, it's tricky because I have to come up with what word describes this musical concept that, you know, it's hard to put into words. Right. Kind of a, you know, fun trick. Uh, what style of music do you enjoy the most? Well, you know what? That's a hard question, Ashley. I enjoy um, soul music, you know, whatever that oh. might be. And it might be a different genre, right? My husband thinks country is soul music. Some of it, eh, yeah, no. <laughs> I love jazz. <laughs> I love the okay. jazz chords. I really like jazz chords. I appreciate classical music, of course. Um, the jazz chords musical, are very rich. Yeah, very rich. They chords. are musical theater kind of interests me. Mm-hmm. Um, like the greatest showman was the movie that came yes. out. Was it a couple of years incredible. ago? The music and the narration and the story plot, it all just, it was a soul thing for me. <laughs> it moved oh, me, yeah. you know, it moved my emotions. It moved my mind. Um, and I, I love how the music, um, just encapsulated that whole story. So I love musical theater. American folk music is very interesting to oh, me. Yes. I love, um, the African spirituals, and I don't know what they consider that now, uh, but all the spirituals from our heritage, you know, like the rich yes. heritage. Um, I feel like that community has a lot of soul that I they long do. for, and their their music to me is is really rich. So I kind of have a, a, a mixed um, love for different styles. A lot of different styles. It keeps things interesting. Yes. I, I love different genres. And yeah, I always think it's it's fun to branch out and learn from right. different, it's, and it's do like mashups food. and mix them together. Yes, right. yes. Like you food. taste different things. And okay. <laughs> what what, your what's your mood right like, now? Well, <laughs> right. Let's see here. I want, I want Mexican food right now. Now I could, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, what um, was kind of the inspiration for No Thing and how did you kind of incorporate music into it? Oh, sorry, no dot thing. <laughs> yes. I, I heard a song on the radio. I don't know. I wrote this song down. Um, Ain't nothing going to break my stride. I got to keep on moving. And I think that's by Matthew Wilder. Is that how you pronounce his okay. name? But we know the st- song, you know, that's from way back. And I'll there, put like um, a reference to it in my show notes. So okay. people can listen. Lauren Daigle also has a song um, entitled <sighs> First. And it says, let nothing ever come between you and I. And so I would be listening to the radio and these songs would be, would come on the radio and the word nothing. And, um, I was teaching school. I substitute teach grammar and, um, yeah. And, and I'd be reading and like that word would pop out 
at me, nothing, nothing. Um, I was in, sitting in church one Sunday and the verse, you know, like um, God created the world from nothing. And then he hang, hung the world upon nothing. And so this word just kept coming out at me, popping out at me. And um, I feel like, Ashley, there are times in life where we're struggling to find our purpose. And, yes. you know, we do cycle through seasons of life. Um, and so in this season, you know, I feel like I'm with a newborn and I'm not out there, you know, achieving any successful thing that I can point to yet those small moments in our lives that look like a nothing things are really happening. And so, um, my book is, um, was inspired by music to encourage other people in their seasons of life that they think, well, I'm not doing anything right now, but I am teaching five kids how to play the piano. That is something. Yes, and that gave huge. me such an inspiration, um, just looking at other people and their gifts and their talents when they use their season of life, how it, it creates enrichment for all of us and makes a better world for all of us. I really like that because I think that's really where, yeah, we always think we have to be doing this great, this great thing, but I believe that God looks at even our monotonous activities and sees those as very important work. That's more important even than, you know, the pinnacle when you're at your biggest performance. So you're the best-selling author, but I think when you're changing diapers or you're, you know, doing laundry that he sees that as, and you're pouring into the lives of other people. You're pouring into the lives of those people. You know, I know that um, I brought out in my book, my book is a, is a book of faith. It's faith-based and a lot of people are using it for their Bible studies. And I have a leader's guide that is just coming out this weekend. So I'm super excited about that. Um, But there's a woman that, you know, she had nothing but a pot of oil, but then she kept pouring and pouring and pouring and it enriched her whole community. And I feel like sometimes we feel like, you know, oh, who wants this talent or who needs this talent? We feel like it has to be a big thing, right? I have to be, you know, this big author. I have to be this big musician. I have to have this big, whatever. And, um, sometimes when we hold back our gift, we think it's not big enough yet. We could be a blessing to someone else. And we, we forget Mm -hmm. that there's something in nothing. And, um, you know, what I think is nothing. Oh, well, that's nothing, but what is in my hand? What is in my heart? And what do I have in my home that somebody else could utilize and use? And they can be enriched. And and I appreciate that about your music. It's enriched my oh, life. Thank you. Oh, and it's encouraged it's so nice and to hear that. me. It has. Oh, thank you. That's always fun to hear when you sometimes we don't know. And I now try to take the chance when I um do listen to somebody's music or their podcast and I'm like, oh, that really blessed me. I try to remember to reach out to them because it's easy, I think, in this digital age to be like, okay, that blessed me, but now I moved on to something else. And now I'm trying to be more intentional, like. Hey, I really loved your work, you know, and make sure they know so that because we, as creators, I think we do need that encouragement, you know, to hear, oh, we do I feel like you are making, you know, a difference. And um, so thank you. I appreciate that. That's wonderful. And to be encouraged to share, even if it isn't perfect. I think, you know, we yes. get caught up in that. It has to be all this and be perfect. Um, but we all are humans 
and mm-hmm. you know nothing is really perfect anyway no. um but to be able to share our vulnerabilities and yes. to be able to share the little tidbits that we do know and it's very helpful to other people i know one of my friends was sharing something the other day and i thought you know right you know why didn't i know that 20 years ago but it was just like a little tidbit of a helpful information i'm like that's a great tip and i feel like if we hold back for that big thing that we'll miss out on so much that somebody else needs Exactly. That's beautiful. Well, if you had to kind of name one big message or theme from your book, what would you kind of like your readers or, or listeners um, to take away from it? We kind of touched on it already, but um, I really want my readers in the audience to know that they were created on purpose for a purpose. And, um, you know, a lot of times we want a thing to identify us. You know, if I have this one thing, I'm a right. musician, I'm a soccer yes. mom, but what happens when your life changes and you're no longer mm-hmm. that soccer mom? What happens right. when, you know, as Tim Tebow, you know, it's football. Oh, it's baseball. Oh, what, who am I? And right. I'm trying to encourage people to, you know, in the moment, whatever you're doing in that moment, in that season of life, do it to the best of your ability and enrich the lives of others, because that season may not be here forever. And so whatever season and moment you're in, in this moment, do the best that you can and use whatever is in your hand. Um, I, I ask, I like to ask two questions and I've been going around speaking to different groups and sometimes they'll do like a Saturday event from nine to noon with, you know, like a luncheon in the middle. And so I'll have two different sessions. So if that's the case, um, the two questions that I like to do in the two different sessions is um, what thing is holding you back? So I like to kind of delve into, is there a thing that's holding you back from your purpose or maybe your passion? Is there something, you know, is it prejudice? Is it pride? Is it perfectionism? What thing is holding you? What thing is holding you back? And then the second question in the second session would be, what thing are you holding back? Because like I mentioned before, you know, I, if I would have waited till I was that perfect Instagrammer, you know, if I would have waited till I had the perfect following to write a book, you know, they say all these things you have to do before you write a book. If I would have waited for all of those perfect scenarios, it would have held me back from releasing my message to the world. And while we want to be, you know, at our best and do our best, There are things that hold us back that really, I don't think should hold us back, Ashley. Mm -mm. And so that would be my, my big takeaway from it. Don't let something hold you back from building a relationship with that person that you want to build a relationship. Don't let something or some grudge stand between you and someone that you need to have a conversation with. And so I just feel like we came into this life with nothing and we're Mm -hmm. going to leave this life with nothing. And so it's like, what do I do in between time? Because if I'm always wishing, you know, okay, so here's how it goes, right? (laughs) We go to college and it's like, okay, when I get married then, and it's like, okay, when we, this thing, you know, you're always waiting for this next thing. Okay. When we get a better job, okay. When the next stage, when we have children, oh, when they're potty trained then, you know, and so we're always waiting for these things. And I feel like things hold us back. And, um, Mm -hmm. so just to live in the moment, live in that season and to 
um, to clear ourselves from things that are clogging up our channels from, from being a conduit to others around us in our God-given purpose. And I've actually, since I've, I've written this book and it's been released, um, I'm speaking more, I'm doing more of these podcasts with people, and I've been challenged as a person to rearrange some things in my life that were kind of clogging those channels and holding me back from this season in my life, because I've been a mom, you know, I've done all the things and now this is a new season and it, and it is, it's a little bit scary, you know, new things are scary to just walk into that season, um, and to put away something that's been comfortable for me. Um, Mm. you know, I've been a property manager and owner for eight years. And so I just sold my, I just sold my business last week. And, um, because it was something I felt like I was supposed to do to step into this new season in my life, because Mm -hmm. it was taking up so much of my time. And I, I, I had to free up and I, I really questioned it. So I said, okay, if it sells, it sells, would you know, and within like a week and a half, I had two offers. And so if I really mean to walk in this new season of life, I'm going to have to follow the steps that I lay down in my book of, you know, freeing ourselves from those things that entangle us. And that could be a Mm -hmm. messy closet. That could be a messy room. That could be like, you know, a messy schedule that could be something that just holds me back, whatever that might be. It could be something good, like a good business. Um, I'm not trying to get your followers to sell off a business, but it was just something that it was a new season for me. And I had to, um, you know, put aside something that was comfortable for me that I knew the ropes to and walk in that new season. Um, because Mm -hmm. none of us can do all the things we can't do all of the things and and serve our purpose well. And so I feel like this is my season now, and I am, I'm going to be able to relinquish some of those things that were holding me back and walk in this new season. I can always buy new properties. Mm-hmm. I can always be a property manager, um, in a new season of life, if I decide to, you know, in another season, yes. but for this season of my life, I am definitely trying to walk into the new season. I really like that. Yes. Well, thanks so much. Um, where can my listeners find you and everything that you do online, including your book, which again, I'll Thank put you. links in the, in the, in the notes. Thank you so much for doing this podcast. I love podcasts. I love listening to them. Um, going on my walks. That was part of my pandemic <laughs> yes. mental health was going on daily yes. walks. And I would, I would listen to a podcast every time I would go out and they're so inspiring. Um, they can find me at estherpanabaker.com is my website. They can order my book through there. It's my publishers attached to a hot link. They can order on Amazon if they wish to. And they can find me on Instagram, Esther Panabaker. And then I'm also on Facebook. All right. Well, thank you so much, Esther, for being on the show today. I really enjoyed getting to meet you. Thank you so much for your music. I love hearing you. You know, it's like Lindsay Sterling, but you can actually like see a real person that's playing and using their talents. It's so fun. Thank you. That's a huge compliment. I love Lindsay. So that is a wonderful, uh, a wonderful compliment. I saw her live for the first time a few months ago, and that was just a really cool experience. So thanks. That's a huge. (laughs) Oh, she's She's wonderful. Yes. So. All right. Well, hopefully we can chat again soon. Thank you so much, Ashley.